Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 368 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am splendid, Chad. Splendid. Well, good. Even uh, even after the uh, opening day loss by our Cincinnati Reds. Well, you know, here's yes, and here's how I look at it. There have been a lot of slow starts recently, right? <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. But a couple of those slow starts featured an opening day win, so I assume that this means the Reds are about to go 18 and three. <laughs> yeah, that crossed my mind. Yeah, you win opening day and then lose nine in a row, like uh, we've seen. Uh, maybe it'd be the opposite this year, but no, you know, listen, we're going to break down the opening day game and their expectations for the season, but uh, I don't think this conversation that we're going to have about expectations is going to be any different than it would have been if we'd recorded after the opening day game. Is that fair to say? I think that is fair to say. Yeah, although there's some things that uh, we do need to talk about. So let's go ahead and dive into the Opening day game, Cincinnati Reds back in Great American Ballpark with uh, a certain number of fans in the stands facing our old nemesis, the St. Louis Cardinals. And of course, you all already know this. If you're listening to a Reds podcast, then um, you probably were watching the game or following pretty closely. And the Reds lost 11-6. to Luis Castillo got the loss. The Reds uh, just unable to uh, come out of the gate quickly, as usual. But this game was over pretty much before it started with the Cardinals scoring seven runs in the first two innings. Jason, I'll just, we'll, we'll pause here before we talk about exactly how those runs scored uh, to ask this question. What, what was going through your mind when you look up and see, oh my goodness, it's seven to one in the top of the second inning? Uh, I, I mean, the moment where I was like, oh God. Yeah, honestly, though, like, you know, that, that three run homer in the first is kind of what killed me. But really, honestly, it was kind of I, I wasn't real worried because I think I saw somebody say this on on Twitter last night. The big thing that went wrong yesterday was Luis Castillo, and Luis Castillo was just about the last thing I'm worried about on the roster. You know, good, we got his one bad start for the year out of the way. Like, right. So it was you know everything else though grumbles about the defense went pretty much how we would hope for it to go, um, and Castillo had a bad outing and on a cold day, on opening day, no, so it goes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and you're, you're right, there are some things that assisted in that bad day, but overall, you look at Castillo's line, three and the third uh, innings pitched, he gave up eight hits and eight earned runs. Walk two, and here's the one that, that we're never going to see again this whole season. Struck out zero batters. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, uh, you know, Castillo has never been a particularly good uh, cold-weather pitcher, I think that's uh, safe to say, and, you know, uh, he he literally may be, of all the players on the opening day roster, the one I'm least concerned about. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. I have zero Luis Castillo worries. Right, so 
So what happens in the top of the first? It you know, just really, well, it started out well, ground out to second base. I read second baseman Jonathan India, who we'll talk about in more depth in a moment. Uh, Tommy Edmund grounds out to him. Then we get a ground rule double by Paul Goldschmidt. Now, this was originally called a home run, um, but uh, was after a delay, they reviewed, because we have to have a review in every sport all the time just to ruin things. So it's a ground rule double, and then uh, Nolan Arenado singles. So we've got runners on first and third with one out. And uh, Paul DeYoung for St. Louis. Singles to right field, runner scores, still first to third. Tyler Nils hit by pitch, so now we're in trouble. Got bases loaded, one out, and Castillo is struggling at this point. And then Castillo induces a what t- could have been potentially a inning-inning double play, a ground ball to our shortstop, Eugenio Suarez, who um, it would it, it's not – that's that's tough to say that it could have been a, a double play ball. It was a tough ball, but anyway, he uh, made. Yeah, it was. He tried to make two outs before he made one out. Yeah, right? yeah, but it was a. He made an error, and Arenado scored. DeYoung scored, um, and then the next batter up is Dylan Carlson, who hits a three run home run, and then it's six to nothing, and the game is essentially over at that point. So, um, so we got to say again, you and I. Uh, that's what I said yesterday. I stand in line behind no one in my love for Eugenio Suarez. Um, but this was kind of the the worst-case scenario for you know, moving him to shortstop and him making not just one but two errors. He makes another one uh, later on open day at shortstop. So we probably need to tackle that that beast right now before we get going much further. Jason, what are your thoughts? I, I You know, I don't know yet. I, I think if I have a brand on this podcast and in general, I think everybody knows that I'm not typically going to be one to make a judgment based off of one game. I think we all know that we're not expecting gold glove uh, caliber defense from Suarez, to put it mildly. You know, I'm sure being out there on opening day at shortstop for the first time in like 73 years was a little bit weird. I'll give him I'll give him a day to settle in. He gets a day. We can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, uh, Pokey Reese, who, who not one of my favorite players necessarily, but a, a, a legitimately gold glove caliber yeah. infielder made three on opening day one time. So yeah, it, it, things happen, but, uh, it's almost like the Reds should have gone out and gotten a shortstop this off season. It is. It is almost like that though. On the other hand, then we might not have gotten to see Jonathan India. Well, it's a good point, and I do want to talk about India because, uh, I don't know, he's trying to make me change my mind on him, and I, I, so I hope he does uh, so yes. much. But um, ask a fun question? Are you up for a fun question, Chad? I like fun questions, yes, as long as it's fun. How good does Jonathan India have to be for you to be glad that the Reds didn't get a shortstop? Because this situation doesn't happen if the Reds get a shortstop. He doesn't play. There's no way. Right, All right. Uh, you know, he has to be average defensively and average offensively for a second baseman. And I think that's probably in play. Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So I, I will concede. Now, look, just the defense is going to be brutal. The de- You oh. know, the defense was just not good yesterday. And we've known that going in, so we uh, probably will talk about it a little bit. But it wasn't just Suarez. Oh, Suarez, you know, on I think it was his second error. And, you know, you can make the case, and a lot of people did, that, that Joey Votto could have dug either of those throws out out of the dirt um, and and maybe should have. I, I don't know that I'm willing to say should have, but a lot of first basemen would. 
But the one play that Suarez made a really nice backhand play in the hole, and just the throw was off. You know, so I mean, he's got a strong arm. I think he's going to be fine on on those things. I just need him to make all the all the regular plays. You know, all the easy plays. So, but yeah, the, I mean, it's telling that his two errors did come on on pretty tough plays. Um, yeah, yeah, and so you know, I, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not going to hammer uh, Suarez about anything he does at shortstop because he's a third baseman and he's playing out of position, and uh, you know that's kind of his fault because he 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 did he did lobby for it. Uh, I understand, and that's fine. Uh, you know, um, you're a more valuable player if you can be a big time hitter and, and be shortstop, and that's kind of a point I made a couple weeks ago, which is that if he does hit like Eugenio Suarez, he's going to be one of the top you know two or three hitting shortstops maybe in the league. And uh, whether if his defense can just be average, and I don't know that it'll be average, but I don't know that. It, here's my prediction: Eugenio Suarez will not make two errors in every game. That I would agree with that. Um, you know what I what I find interesting is that um, I was thinking about this during the game and kind of before, before the game yesterday. Uh, five out of eight of who we expect to be the the regulars are playing in a position that is different than you would have seen them at a year or two ago. That's true. That's true. Um, Moustakis went from third to second, back to third. India went from third to second. Suarez is from third to short. Castellanos is from third to the outfield. Um, and Senzel, of course, we all know. As uh, as someone said to me on Twitter uh, yesterday, said the Reds have uh, third basemans at third basemans. I said, I just said that third basemans, uh, third baseman at third, at short, at second, at center and in right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's true. Uh, I, I think actually the only one of those that's really not third base is in his best position would be Castellanos maybe, but, uh, yeah. but it's true. So, um, let's run through some, uh, some other things about the opening day game. First of all, Joey Votto, we know Joey Votto. He went one for five, uh, with a ribeye steak yesterday. And Joey Votto popped out on the infield twice, though, in the game. The last time Joey Votto popped out on the infield twice, September twenty second, two thousand eight, his rookie year. I thought it was going to be never. <laughs> That's what I would have thought until I saw this stat. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's gone full seasons without popping out once well, on the I mean, infield. Famously, he went like two years without doing it at one point. Yeah. So that means we need to be worried about Joey Votto, right? No. <laughs> Right, Joe. I really, I, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic about Vado this year than I have been any of the last couple of years. Probably, I don't know why. I, mean, I can't really articulate why. I, don't know, just... I think I am too. I think it's because he's basically like he's not. He's accepting his limitations. I think for the first time. Interesting. Yeah, you know that that the, the things the things he said during the off season. That's a great way to to, to put that, Jason. So, so the past couple of years, he's been trying to find a way to continue to be the player he was at his peak. And so he's now realized, you know what? That doesn't work anymore. I can't do that. I can't, you know, I can't walk 150 times and hit 30 home runs. That's the, I got to pick one. Yeah. You know, um, he said, he said famously, I want to go back to being dangerous again. Um, but, but that whole conversation and the conversations he's had uh, with others, Every year, you know, in the off season, they come into spring and they have this long conversation with, with Votto, the, the beat writers do, and, and and often it's you know, I'm it's the the subtext is I am one of the most elite hitters that ever walked the earth, and I can tinker and I can you know try to improve my game in other areas, 
and really for the and you know he comes in wearing the you know what the aging curve uh, what was that shirt he uh, wore defy defy the aging curve or whatever it was yeah. yeah um and he comes in this season after you know finishing last year again and we don't look at any stats from last year but he finished up really strong uh yeah. la- last season and uh and comes in saying you know what there are things I can do well I'm going to have to just focus on doing those things really well and uh because I'm not 28-year-old Joey Votto anymore. And there have been very few people who have been 28-year-old Joey Votto. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, I wasn't able to articulate it, Jason. And as usual, the wordsmith Jason Lennon comes through for me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm always happy to come save your bacon, Chad. Also, we need to note this week marked the return of the only good thing about Twitter, which is Jason's continuing series of Coffee and with Joey Votto. Coffee and Votto. Coffee? Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. You should it try uh, Votto... And Lyndon in cars getting coffee. Call it that. I don't know know what that means. All right, anyway. All right. um, Let me ask you this. Joey Votto's not been good defensively for a while, in my opinion. He's not as bad as a lot of people like to say. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's kind of been average for a first baseman for the most part. Uh, How much do we hammer him for not coming up with either of those throws from Suarez? Mm, I mean, a tad, but not too much. Yeah, the, the... the second one, the one that Suarez made a nice play, I think, uh, in the in the hole. That's one that a lot of first basemen get. The other one's a tough one; it bounces a little further away from him, and it's going to take an you know, unpredictable bounce sometimes. That's a, yeah. Playing first base is hard. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm kind of a fan of, and and we've gotten better at. I haven't looked it up for these particular plays yet, but like. Is just like, you know, the, the thing they can do now where it's like the, the percentage, how often does a player make that play? I don't even know if they have it for first base throws yet. But, you know, you're right. One of those was tougher than the other, but neither of those is a made 100% of the time play by any first baseman. Right. That, that's absolutely true. You know, even if you've got Keith Hernandez out there, every once in a while he's going to miss one of those. Oh, I'm Keith Hernandez. A little Seinfeld reference for you there. Um Wow, but you know, you go to looking for a. I was trying to think in my head of a good defensive first baseman because I was going to, you know, uh, say something, and you went with Keith Hernandez. Man, that's really going back into the archives. I like it. Well, he's, you know, he's. It's not very often that you see a first baseman and think, "Wow, that's some defense." <laughs> right, right. It's true. They are few and far between, and we should always remember that. That's true. Pretty good hitter too. A former MVP for an awful, yeah. awful team. Um. Okay, so now one other thing I wanted to mention, and then we'll talk about some individual performances. But really, you know, uh, a lot of people were like, "Oh gosh, same old Reds," and I get it, man. They gave up six runs in the top of the first inning of the first game, and and this is we, we've said each of the last couple of years, the Reds really need to get off to a hot start to kind of try to repair some of the relationships and try to convince people to, to get on board with this team. And so I get all the people that were like, "Oh, here we go again. I'm done," you know. But the Reds did score six runs, and. um Against a, a good pitcher, Flaherty, the Reds also could have scored so many more. Maybe this is something that's not going to be cleared up. Maybe it's just a, you know doing the little things is something that the Reds are not going to do, and they're going to this is going to screw them with them all season long. But you know, in the sixth inning, the Reds had um, bases loaded, one out. Nick Castellanos was at the plate, and he hit a line drive to left field, and Tyler Stevenson was on second base and just took off running, thinking it was going to be a hit. And it did kind of look like it was going to be a hit. But So he gets doubled up It was because it was caught and gets doubled up. 
inning over. So, you know, India, Jonathan India was on third. He tagged up to score, so that run didn't count. That would have been the seventh run. And then you've got runners on, you know, uh, at least first and second with two outs and still a chance for more. Um, just uh, just a, yeah. a toot bland that I, we can't have. You know, to, to in, in my opinion here, excuse me, that was the most forgivable oops of the day. And the reason is sometimes rookie's going to rookie. <laughs> and it did look like it could get down for a hit. I mean, you gotta you yeah. gotta make sure it hits the grass, but still. I mean, here he is. He's playing on his first opening day. He's a rookie. Yeah, he got a little bit of playing time last year, but it wasn't that much. It was barely a cup of coffee, even. And uh, yeah, whatever. Rookie's gonna rookie. But you know, with regards, they could have scored a lot more yesterday. But but it kind of. I was listening, and it, it honestly it made me kind of feel good. And and it, the reason that it made me feel good is this. Do you know which team, Chad, led all of baseball and runners left on base in 1975 and 1976? Oh, I'm sure I know who it is, yes. The Big Red Machine. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because, you know, people get frustrated, and various people associated with the Reds over the years have gotten frustrated at all the men left on base. But if you're leaving a lot of men on base, it just means you're getting a lot of men on base. And that means runs, 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 runs. Yeah, I want the Reds to lead the league in runners left on base every single season. Me too. Because you you're giving yourselves opportunities. Um, all right, one other uh, moment that we have to mention, I think it was the fourth inning, uh, kind of sinking liner to center field. Nick Senzel, the Reds' starting center fielder, goes to get it, makes a beautiful diving catch. And four in- innings into the season, Nick Senzel comes up hurt. And this is, you know, I, I, I people hammer me on Twitter because I've been a Senzel guy, uh, you know, for a long time. I believe he's, if he can stay healthy, that's a big if, I believe he's a star still. Still believe that. I, I, this, this can be his breakout year. And evidently, David Bell says he's going to be ready for the weekend. He's fine. It was his shoulder. But, yeah. what, you know, you see him get up gingerly, and then he comes out of the game the next inning. inning. What are you thinking uh, at this point, Jason, about four innings into the season? Nick Senzel. I mean, this is his... Honestly, and, and I'm a big Senzel guy too, as as you are, and I'm a ton of optimism about him. But if he can't put it together this year, it's going to start to be time to think about. Him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, if you and I are saying that, because we see the talent, um, yeah. but at some point you've got to grab the brass ring, right? You you got to do it in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of you worry that that it's. It's to the point now where you start to worry that it's maybe a bit of an Austin Kern scenario. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah, I mean, a ton of talent, but just injuries. Oh, I mean, I don't think any of us will ever forget Austin Kearns when he first came up. Oh, no. I mean, a star. Yeah, oh, my God. But then just could not stay healthy to save his life. Here's the thing. If if Senzel can stay healthy, and again, I, I'm not, I'm not going to predict that he's going to because he just, it just – he really didn't have any injury problems until that uh, fluke in the minor leagues and then the vertigo, yeah. and now it seems like everything's happening to him. Um, and I get, somebody says that I get 15 people in my mentions every time he gets hurt saying, oh, he's made of glass. You know, um, some people some people are prone to injury. We watched Eric Davis in Cincinnati, um, who was a Hall yeah, of Fame-level talent. That on the on the broadcast last night. Did some, I mean, it's just – it's. The game is hard on your body, and some people's bodies can handle it, and some cannot. And and you know what? If he'd have pulled up and just fielded that ball on the bounce, he's he's healthy today. <laughs> you know, he went all out. 
to get that ball, dove for that ball, and made a fantastic play. And that's actually the point I was going to make is that if he can stay healthy, and I'm not going to predict that he's going to stay healthy, but if he can stay healthy, he is a, I truly believe he's a top five center fielder in baseball. I mean, if you look around at center fielders around the game. I I have zero, zero, zero doubts about his talent. None. Yeah, that's not, that's not the issue, right? Not the issue. Not, not a bit. So, but he's hurt. But uh, again, fingers crossed. Hopefully, he's back this weekend. Um, but the, the, this is this is going to be the problem. And this is something that I did want to mention to you, and I didn't didn't give you a heads up off the air. But um, if anything's going to sink this team, to me, it's going to be injuries. Because I think the I think the core is good enough to be a competitive team, um, even an above average team. But the the depth, the depth, and the pitching depth's getting tested right now. But the depth around the you know. Since El Akiyama's now, the Reds have no center fielders. It's true. I was going to say, you know, the the outfield is the one place where they do have a bit of depth. Um, It's kind of testing it, you know, right now. But, you know, uh, uh, Peyton and Aquino are not bad, you know, fifth and sixth outfielders. Um, You know, most years, I think most teams would be happy with those guys as as their fifth and sixth outfielders. Not really center fielders, but, you know. So it happens that they kind of doubled up on injuries a little bit um, in the wrong place. And Tyler, Tyler Naquin also played some center field yesterday, so that's another yeah. guy that's in the mix. Yeah. The the pitching staff, as you noted, is is has it, I think it has a little bit of depth. It just happens that that depth is getting tested right now. There is zero depth in the infield. Like, none. <laughs> Nowhere. Yeah. Like, because they didn't go get a shortstop. <laughs> and, you know, that whole infield can hit. Oh yeah, but I mean, if one guy gets hurt, then I mean, then it's it's. Who? I mean, it's Kyle Farmer. I mean, it's Alex Blandino. Who I don't. You know, I like Alex Blandino, um, but you're taking a big step down. Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, I, I think I think Blandino anywhere but short can fill in competently for a while. I I have said many times, and I still think this is true that he is an average to slightly above average major league hitter. He's going to get on base. Um, he just hasn't had opportunities. So I won't be surprised if he has a pretty nice season as sort of a guy off the bench. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, it's a big step down from anybody. Yeah, I, I still need to see more of Blandino right now. I was really happy to see that he made the opening day roster because um, I was kind of high on him like you. I think he could be – I always thought that guy could play, you know, five or six years as a starting second baseman for somebody. And he had the big yeah. injury, and he's never really gotten the chance. But but the key is he gets on base, and again, I don't think he can handle shortstop defensively. But at second, I think he's probably above average defensively. And so yeah. um, he's just never gotten the opportunity because of the injuries and because of the way circumstances have been. And, and I'd hate to see a guy that could have a career not have a career, but there are dozens upon dozens of those guys that walk this earth today. That- there, there is a universe where Alex Blandino for four years is – you know, they're very average second baseman on an average to good team. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that, yeah, we'd like to upgrade there if we can, but he's yeah. not killing us, <laughs> you know. He's not the, he's not the, he's at least our worries, you know. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, the infield is just incredibly, incredibly thin. Incredibly thin. It is indeed. Now, um, let's talk about some individual performances. First of all, let's talk about the bullpen. Let's get there because we've already talked about um, – Castillo's bad start, but we have to kind of mention that the bullpen came in, and I've got big time questions about this bullpen. 
uh, and every single one of the names on the, this list that pitched yesterday, I've got big questions about. But you know, uh, I mean, Cam Bedrosian came in didn't do didn't do uh, particularly well. Two thirds of an inning, gave up a hit and a and a run. Yeah. But then you got Sal Romano, Big Sally, two innings, no runs, strikes out two, walks one. Carson Fulmer, who you know, screw Carson Fulmer because he went to Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt wants uh, beat Virginia in the College World Series championship. Um. And then Sean Doolittle, who won a national championship with the University of Virginia. Just had to bring it back there. Sorry, Jason. I know you get irritated when I do that. But, uh, you know, five innings. Fulmer went two, gave up no runs, two strikeouts, no walks. Doolittle gave up a hit, but struck out two in the ninth inning. Uh, you know, uh, fingers crossed. We don't put any stock in spring training stats. And so, you know, I, you know, I know Doolittle was awful out there. But, you know, don't make too much out of – what you know uh two well, yeah and you know yesterday let's let's also let's be real with the exception of Doolittle, we saw the bottom of the bullpen that that's why i was so encouraged by it yeah yeah and and so yeah so that is encouraging i mean those guys came in they collectively struck out seven batters and five and two-thirds like they were competent <laughs> yeah, they were they were fine yeah, yeah, especially you know, Big Sally. I was there for his uh, first uh, big league start, you know, and one section over from his whole head, I must have had seventy people there. And uh, I don't know. I've always just uh, I like the guy. I don't know what he is. He's he is very likable. He is very he he is he's just he's a big goofy guy. Like, hey, you, um, you want to root for him? You do. It's it's hard not to root for him. And and you know, he he's had some ups and downs. You know, there was a time where we were like, Hey, let's pencil this guy in. You know, when he first came up, he had a good half a season with the Reds. Um Yeah, there's a thought he could be a, you know, solid number three, number four type starter. Yeah. And and then it kinda of fell apart and he's kind of it's taken him a few years, but he's kind of put it back together, like a lot of guys do. I mean, you know, uh, becoming a major league pitcher a good major league pitcher for so many people is is not a straight line. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you know, and if he's if he's a middle reliever, a guy that can get you innings out of the bullpen, hey, you know, he's still a major leaguer and can help this team. I think because he does still have some stuff. So, no option. So he's here. You know, uh, they, they got to expose him if they try to send him down. So uh, that's maybe why he was here. But also, I, you know, fingers crossed. I guess I'll say that. Now, uh, Jesse Winker, you and I have never had a podcast where we didn't talk lovingly about Jesse Winker. Um, here's what, here's my hot take of the day. Jesse Winker went two for four. He had a double, had a walk, got on base three times. Jesse Winker will be one of the top 10 leadoff hitters in baseball this season and maybe top five. Now, how crazy is that? It's not crazy at all. He's going to get on base, man. That's what we need. And he's hitting the ball hard. He picked up right where he left off, didn't he? He really did. And, you know, one of the things that I could easily see is Jesse Winker leading the league in on-base percentage. No question. No question. Easily. Easily. I mean, you know, Jesse Winker is, what's he, 26 now, 27? Um, I don't have it pulled up. but uh, Yeah, uh, Yeah, he's 27. Yeah, so he's easing into his prime here. Just last year, and again, we, we, I just said we're not going to talk about 60-game season stats, uh, and, and we're not because you don't know what to make of them. But the fact of the matter is, during that stretch, Jesse Winker was you know an all-star level performer yeah. um, at a time when 
you and I, anyway, for the last few years have said, all right, at some point he's going to become this guy. The power has been way more than I ever expected. And and that goes back to, you know, the injury that he had to his wrist that sapped his power in the minors for a while. I just, I, didn't, I never saw him being this kind of a, a power hitter. Not that he's a 50 home run guy, but, uh, you know, he's but a 20, he looks like a 25 to 30 home run right, guy. Right. Which I didn't see coming. So you add that to the on base skills and you've got a, you know, how many hitters in the Reds lineup are more valuable than Jesse Winker? I mean, who's going to, who's the Reds lineup? lineup at this point, I think. You think he's maybe. the best, you say? Yeah, maybe Gino. Gino might be better. It depends on the year. Yeah. And I think that there's probably a scenario where Castellanos uh, has a better season. But, um, but again, you know, I don't know about that because I don't, because Castellanos walks, but he doesn't walk quite enough. Yeah. Well, so, right. So we're talking about overall value. Good point. Yeah. Good point. I think you're probably right. Um, so good to see Winker get off to a, to a good start. And, uh, you know, he's another one of those guys that I, I'm interested now. What I am interested to see is how much Winker gets to hit against left-handed pitching. Now, kind of, uh, if you listen to this podcast last season, you know that Winker did uh, exceptionally well against left-handed pitching in that very small sample size after, you know, years of it kind of being clear that he did not hit left-handers very well. So my expectation is that manager David Bell will give um, Winker some opportunities, especially early in the season, to see if that was a real improvement from last year. But He's going to have to get some opportunities early in the season. Well, that's true. They don't have any other outfielders. <laughs> yeah. But but how much? Yeah. The question that I've got is how much of that improvement against left-handers is is real. I'm I'm, I'm skeptical. But even a, a tiny improvement means that you can use him more often. But the fact is, he still he still rakes right-handers, and there are more right-handers than left-handers. But any thoughts about that? Um, I agree. I mean, you know, if there's anything that Jesse Winker takes pride in, it's his hitting. Um, and I know that he kind of approached it with a chip on his shoulder about the whole he can't hit left left-handers thing. Um. So we, we might see a, a real genuine improvement. But, you know, like going down through the Winker path and thinking about his on-base percentage, and you know what could be kind of an, an unexpected, I guess, uh, bonus with this lineup that I hadn't really thought about before now? Let's hear it. With the exception of Moose, I think. I think this is right. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Um this lineup has the potential to just wear pitchers out in terms of the number of pitches that will be thrown. Like everybody in this lineup either takes walks at the major league level, or if they don't have much major league experience has a long track record of taking walks in the minors. So there could be some games where, you know, maybe it's, you know, only a two to one game or whatever in the fourth inning, but all of a sudden the opposing starters got like 98 pitches and it's four innings. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the way the game has changed and pitchers pitching, uh, you know, less uh, fewer innings than than ever, that's an interesting point. You know, there was some grumbling about Joey Votto hitting third in the lineup on opening day, but man, I like having Winker and Votto up there. Uh, you know, really, yeah. the first inning you're going to hopefully, yeah, most you're times see you're, everything he's got in the first two batters. Right, right. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, Castellanos, I'm you know I, I'm still pretty bullish on Castellanos, and and you're right about the walks and all that. But in terms of his overall value, but you know he was three for five yesterday, a couple of RBIs, scored a couple of runs. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely in in his camp. Yeah, definitely. And he hit the ball hard yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I think he's another guy that I've just seen some quotes and heard some things. You know, he's really locked in because he felt like uh, last year. Cincinnati didn't get to see who Nick Castellanos was, and, and maybe he's maybe he's locked in because he wants to opt out at the end of the year and, and 
you know, he's got that crazy contract and go, you know, get a big contract somewhere else, which whatever. But, uh, I, I, I don't have to, he's a guy that I'm, I don't have to squint too hard to see him having a, a big time season this year. And yesterday he was locked in, wasn't he? Oh, he was. I, 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 I don't, ah, excuse me. I don't have to squint too hard either. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very, very easy to, uh, to, to imagine him having a heck of a season. And also, since I, I've, been, I've been sitting here looking it up real quick. All right, so I'm going to drop some things on you real quick. Let's hear it. The, the following batters, essentially, you can count on for a minimum of, of 10% of their plate appearances ending in walks, which is well above average. Okay? Okay. Suarez, Votto, Winker, Stevenson, Barnhart, um... Wow, Barnhart as well. Yeah, Barnhart. That's that's one I had to look up. I feel like I've forgotten somebody else. Votto, Suarez. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's it. And Senzel has the potential, as does Castellanos. Senzel did it in the minors. I mean, he's always been a guy like that. Yeah, yeah. He, we haven't seen the best of him yet. I would count on him to be a nine or ten percent walk guy if he's if he's healthy. Um, Moose is and Moose is fine. You know, for an app, for for where he plays, you don't need him to walk a billion times, but. You know, historically, he hasn't walked a ton, um, but he's walked kind of around the average. Right. What's funny is uh, he was over two yesterday with two walks. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, fingers crossed. Oh, right. Good start. That's right. But, you know, people get cranky about it. And I mean, I agree with everyone who thinks that walks are not particularly aesthetically pleasing. But in terms of just what's good for your team, I mean, if you can have your first four or five batters, you know, in the first inning, if a couple guys get on, you know, you're seeing 20, 25 pitches, that's going to wear on the starters in a hurry. Oh, yeah. And it also goes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago about the runners left on base. You got to get runners on base if you want to score. You do. You and do. So, and it sure helps to have the fifth or sixth best pitcher in the bullpen in the game in about the fifth inning, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're not, uh, again, we'll talk about the current state of the game at some point and whether it's aesthetically pleasing. I think uh, we share an opinion on that. But you know, people hammered Votto for years about the walks, but my th- thinking was it just seems so intuitive, so obvious that when the ball's thrown in the strike zone, you try to hit it as hard as you can, and when it's not thrown in the strike zone, you don't swing at it because you can't make good contact by and large, unless your name's Vladimir Guerrero and you're you know a generational uh, you know just insanely talented guy. Most people can't, so it just seems intuitive to me. So I- I'm with you. Um, and that's, we don't need to relitigate that. Let's let's go down the lineup a little bit more. Suarez was one for three. And uh, you know what Suarez did yesterday? Along with Castellanos, they both hit their first home runs. Yes. Of the seasons. Castellanos was a deep drive to left field. And um, Suarez went opposite field on his. A really nice piece of hitting uh, to get that home run. So it made up a little bit for the, the errors. Mustak's what I told you. Nick Senzel, was, uh, he struck out in his only at bat. Now, interestingly, Aquino came in and played center field, got three at-bats, went 0 for 3 uh, in those three at-bats. But uh, I guess that's my question. If if we have two or three days without a center fielder, I think I put Aquino out there. Let him see what he can do. But uh, yeah, he's I don't know fine. if that's what he'll do. He's not a, I think he has a reputation as being a bad defender, which is weird because he's not. He's got a heck of an arm. He maybe doesn't have as much range as you would want out of center field, but he's not going to embarrass you there. No, he's, he's athletic. He's not a center fielder athletic maybe, but he's athletic. Yeah, he's like he is to center field as like Alex Blandino is to shortstop. Like he's not your ideal, but he's not going to embarrass anybody out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, now we got to get to the Jonathan India conversation, okay? And, and I need to clarify my position on India before people start, uh, you know, using hyperbole against me. Um, I've never hated Jonathan India. My only thing is that I've not seen it yet. I've not seen anything out of his minor league numbers that make me think he's going to be the guy that I expected him to be out of Florida, which is probably unfair, you know. Um, but he was a top five pick. He had that same wrist injury, too. That's, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. He did. Um and that could play into whether his power uh, continues to develop. But my whole thing was not that I think Jonathan India is a bust or that he has no business being in Cincinnati. My whole thing was I didn't get to see him at all last season. And I know everybody was raving about him out at the ketchup factory. Uh, everybody was raving over his uh, performance out there. But I didn't get to see it. And I, there were no, no stats for me to look at. And, you know, before that, he was not, you know, he wasn't the guy I was expecting. Not a guy that I would think would be ready to be a starter on opening day in 2021. The spring he was great, but I don't pay attention to spring training stats, and so that's my opinion. I just uh, I'm not I'm not saying he's definitely he's going to fail. I don't because I don't think he's going to fail, um, but I just wasn't sure he was going to excel at this time. And uh, I, boy, I hope that he does because you know two for four on opening day he, uh, he gets a double for his first big league hit, and and the fact of the matter is he just looked like he belonged uh, in that lineup in the big leagues. You know, again, that's that's a lot of that's just eye test stuff. But uh, you know, what what a debut for Jonathan India, and, and congrats to him. Really excited for him. Yeah, indeed. And you know, it's it it feels like it's been a while since this happened, but we finally had a prospect who, through the weirdness of COVID times, somehow managed to de- debut exactly on schedule. Right, like first round pick in 2018. You're like, well, college kid, 2021, he should be ready to go. Right. Right. He true. Yeah. You know, give him a couple of years to, to season, and then not, let's go. Uh, trivia time. Jason Lennon, who was the last position player? Chris Sabo. <laughs> You're so good at trivia time that you couldn't even let me get the question out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jonathan India was the first position player for the Reds to make his debut on opening day since Chris Sabo in 1988. All right, here we go. Who's the last last Cincinnati Red to debut at second base in the big leagues? Uh, isn't that isn't that Peter Edward? Yeah, that's a that's pretty uh, good educated guess. Yes, Pete Rose, nineteen sixty three. Uh, those guys ended up having pretty good careers. So you know, um, if 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 uh, heck, if Indy can have Sabo's career, and I think hey, he wants to be rookie of the year this year. I'm here for it. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'll take that. When was the last time the Reds had a rookie of the year? Was it was that Wagner? Maybe. Scott Williamson, I think you're thinking of. Williamson, yeah, sorry, yeah, Williamson. Yeah, Wagner was first round draft pick. Flamed out, he was Rose good one. Rookie of the year too. So what's that? Rose won rookie of the year too. Oh, both those guys did. Hmm. Now we're talking. I we don't know. know. I don't know. Indy's going to win the rookie of the year, and I, that's not going to be our, our gauge for success. But you know, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so optimistic. I, I still need to see. I still need to see something for me to change my opinion that uh, he's not necessarily ready again that's not even my opinion i don't know that he's ready i just don't know i'm admitting my that my lack of knowledge because i couldn't see him last year and so i'm excited and, and plus I, I gotta say this the hair oh my gosh i love it it's fantastic and so i, I would have put him in, in the starting line just on, based on the hair alone much less the fact that he can actually maybe maybe play yeah you know i think i think i'm confident that he's ready but the only reason that i'm confident that he's ready is because of the way things progressed with the team this year like it was clear at the start of spring training that he wasn't really in the plans. 
know? Right, right. But he had it so together that the Reds, I mean, really, the reason Gino is at shortstop isn't because of Kyle Holder. It's because of Jonathan India. It's because they wanted to find a spot for Jonathan India in the lineup, and that's the only way they could do it. And 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 they were limited by what the uh, ownership allowed them to to do in terms of acquiring one, and so uh, it ends up being the best case scenario. But I want to a couple things I want to say. First of all, let's not uh, say the Reds were making a decision based on spring training stats. I mean, we were hearing last year about how India looked great. In, yeah, out of right. They, they saw last year, and then that continued to manifest itself this year, and they were like, okay, this you know. What I always say is don't pay any attention to spring training stats, but do pay attention to what people say in spring training or to things like, wow, this guy just added three miles an hour on his fastball or, you know, right. that kind of stuff you can rely on. And that Jonathan India had a ton of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, I think he earned it, and it wasn't just because of the spring. Now, um, the other thing that I want to say is is this. At some point in the next month, Jonathan India is going to go 0 for 20 um, he's going to make an error, maybe a base running blunder, um, and I want to just like I don't I call I, I don't want to judge him just on you know the uh, what he did on opening day or you know I, I want to wait and see. I'm optimistic, but let's also not get down on him when he has the struggles that every rookie has. I mean he's gonna he's gonna have some do some dumb things and he's gonna mess up and that's what rookies do and and. and Sometimes fans tend to want to hammer all those guys. It's worse with pitchers. Young pitchers always struggle, but yeah. but, but well, young position yeah. players do as well. And so I want to caution everybody. Let's let's look up at the end of the year and see what yeah, he's done, sure. and, and we'll sure. know where he is in his progress. Yeah, he's going to go around the league. The league's going to adjust. He's going to adjust. It's just that's just how it goes. Yeah, right. Now, uh, last thing. Um, now, uh, did you listen or did you watch yesterday? Um, I had to be on the road for part of it, so it was kind of split. I listened okay. to about the first half, and I watched about the second half because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, the, the reason I, I mentioned that is the last thing I really want to say about opening day is that um, we the Reds on television. I didn't listen to the radio. Uh, I listened to the radio last year, and those guys are great. Tommy Thrall is fantastic. I really like Tommy Thrall. I mean, he's not like uh, elite all-time Vince Coley level yet, uh, but, but he knows what he's doing, and I think he's uh, – I think it's good, but on television yesterday we got a first look at the broadcast team, and I, you know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I do want to mention that uh, in, in the broadcast booth it was John Sadak doing his first uh, regular season game. It was uh, Barry Larkin returning to the Reds, uh, or he's been with the Reds, but returning to the big league level, I guess, and uh, in the broadcast booth, and our old buddy Chris Welsh. Now Chris Welsh is Chris Welsh; he's fantastic, and there's not a whole lot to yeah. say about him. He's going to be good. Um, Sadak to me was extremely prepared. I mean, you know, for a guy that just came in, he knows Red's history. I mean, he clearly did his homework. Um, and again, we don't have to compare him to anybody in the past, but um, I was extremely impressed with that guy. I don't know if you have any thoughts uh, about him or not, but... Uh, I do, and, and, you know, I will, I, will, I will just put it this way. I found myself in both formats yesterday enjoying the audio portion of the Red's more than I have in years. And it was great to have somebody come in, you're right about Sadak, that prepared. Like clearly spend significant time like doing research, coming in. I mean, it's, you know, is here to do the job and show that he can do the job. It, it, it you know, I felt like an elite really broadcaster. He did, he's fabulous so far. 
yeah, small sample. Uh, so, you know, uh, as we say, but, and he may turn out to be awful, but I don't know, just for opening day, he was, uh, he really just, it was, it was really, it, it stuck out, stood out to me. Now, maybe it stood out because I got to watch how I got to say this because I'm, I don't want to say this. Barry Larkin is my favorite baseball player of all time. Barry Larkin did things on the on the field that just blew me away. Uh, you know, he played his entire career for this team. I watched him as a rookie all the way to his whole career, and so he's just he's my guy, number eleven, Hall of Famer. You don't like him in the booth? I think he's fine in the booth. I thought he was horrible. Well, I, I mean, I didn't catch too much, but the the you know all of it, but the part that I caught in at least the second half, I thought he was all right. It was pretty typical, like player with player insights kind of thing. Well, uh, I would say let's, and maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I love the guy. I don't, I don't want to dislike him in, in anything he does. But um, I heard back when I played at least three times, um, and I heard and the amount of time he praised quote unquote productive outs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it. It makes me glad that he's not the manager. I mean, you know, he's one of these. I like bunts. He's. I don't know. Maybe I hope he, I'm wrong. He's a little old school in that, and I, I mean, yeah, you, I, I, I might, I might have trained myself to just ignore that stuff a little bit. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm hopeful. Fingers crossed, because I love Barry, and I hope he does well. Um, friend of the podcast, Barry Larkin. So I don't want to, you know. Yeah. Okay. So any, any final thoughts on opening day, Jason? Before we put that one to rest. No, I don't think so. I, you know, I think hopefully we'll have a better result tomorrow and go from there. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's run through some uh, viewer mail questions, if we could, here, uh, Jason and Lyndon. Viewer mail. These questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you, too, can support the podcast. Get on the get on the, uh, get on on the the pirate ship here. That's not a pirate ship. It's, I hate the pirates. But uh, join the family, I guess. I'm trying to figure out a good way to put that. Now, i got to say, we did have... Um, we do have some some friends that have joined us since the season started. And you can uh, again you go to patreoncom radio. You can for you know a couple bucks you get access to uh, the Slack channel and, and joining us in the conversation. Um, you know a little bit more you get a chance to uh, do some other things. Go look and you can see all the levels. But we got some people I need to thank this week that have joined up with us to uh, be members of the family. Uh, first of all, Dexter Albertson. Dexter Albertson. Now, uh, thank you so much. First of all, for for joining us. At Patreon, we always give a give a position to uh, to you know our, our new new members on our Red Leg Nation Beer League softball team. Dexter Albertson sounds an awful lot like a slick fielding shortstop to me. What do you think? Yeah, that seems right. I like it. I like it. Shortstop, it is. Yeah, shortstop Dexter Albertson. You're the best. Uh, your Gold Glove shortstop. Thank you so much again, Brad Middlecoff. Brad Middlecoff, thank you so much for joining up and joining up for a, you know, a full year. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, that commitment. Um, Brad Middlecoff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe it's because the middle and then I'm, but I'm, I'm hearing a middle reliever there. You got any other thoughts? I mean, I think that definitely a middle reliever that with a name like that, it just has to be. Yeah. Not a lefty though. He's a, he's not a, a one out guy. He's a, and we don't have those guys anymore, but he's a, he's a right-hander who throws hard. Can go maybe, he's, maybe he's one of those like workhorse multi inning guys. Yeah, like a TJ Antone type. Maybe they can go multiple innings. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Now, um, also have to thank uh, Kent Schroeder. 
Kent Schroeder, man, thank you so much for for joining us again uh, with the with the year long commitment. Um, you're gonna make me keep doing this podcast if you keep doing that stuff like that. But uh, Kent Schroeder, where do we see Kent Schroeder? I'll, I'll let you uh, tell me, Jason. That, that feels like a center fielder to me. Oh, Schroeder feels like a center field name. I don't know why, but it just does. Okay, yeah, well, that's basically what we're going on. I'm gonna say that, but but when I, but I'm hearing he's not exactly Billy Hamilton in terms of foot speed, but he's at least an average defensive center fielder. But this guy gets on base. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Kent Schroeder, your uh, on-base machine. Thank you so much for for joining us. And also, I got to give a shout out to a guy who's kind of rejoining us a little bit, Brian Bowdy. Brian been a friend of the podcast for a long, long time. Brian, you're going to be uh, the associate manager sitting right next to me on the bench, giving me uh, all the advice. Okay, is that all right? Let me know on Twitter. All right, let's answer some of these questions. We've got a few of them. Uh, opening day questions. First question comes from. Andrew Scott Wills, who asks, how worried are we about Geno's defense? Now, we kind of talked about that, and my, my thoughts are I'm worried because I don't think he can necessarily handle it, but I'm not any more worried today than I was before opening day. What about you, Yeah, Jason? I mean, that's mine exactly. I think, yeah, <laughs> it'll be what it'll be. Yeah, uh, it'll be what it'll be. Jerry Sadoff, I hate to join the chorus of people asking this. I know, Jerry, I get it, buddy, because I hate it as well. Uh, when I have to ask the same question, but can we ever expect Nick Senzel to remain healthy enough to be a steady contributor on this club? What do you think, Jason? I mean, if, I mean, you, if you had a gut. This, this year is the year. But is he going to do it? What do you think? What's your gut feeling? My gut feeling is yes. Too many of his injuries have been too fluky. Yeah, but we're getting also, I agree, that's what I've always said, and we've had that conversation, and I think I'm going to say the same thing as you. I'm going to agree with you there, but. We're getting to the point where it's kind of getting. It is. <laughs> We're getting a lot of data points on the other side. I don't know. Darren Fessel asks, "Who is the greatest red of all time, and why is it Jonathan India?" I'll let you handle that one, Jason. Um, I mean, it's all about the hair. It's the hair, baby. It's the hair. I love the flow. John Majewski. He asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, should Bell, this is Reds manager David Bell. By the way, can we just, I hate to do this, but I felt like at some point we needed to mention it. Send some condolences to the David Bell, Buddy Bell, the Bell family. Yeah. David Bell's uh, brother, Mike Bell, found out he had cancer six months ago and passed away uh, this past week. And so just, it's a, it's a heartbreaking story for a guy that evidently everybody, I don't, I mean, you know, he did, uh, he did play in the big leagues briefly. But was a coach with the Twins uh, this year, and just uh, it's just condolences. It it breaks my heart. Mo, you know, uh, he's my age. Mike Bell's my age, and so I, I'm thinking this guy is you know a big league coach and well liked by everybody. Just I, I, I'm sorry for that tangent. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, but just uh, it it broke my heart this week. It is when we do need to offer condolences. That's I mean, kind of same deal. You know, he's not much older than me, and and. You know, we're both at that age right now where it's like stuff like that happens and it's, it's scary and, you know, it's heartbreaking for the family. And, you know, uh, reminds me a little bit of when um, Votto's dad died, you know, in, in the middle of the season. You, you think about that. Like, it's just it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I had another another uh, good friend in my life uh, who's just a little older than me, but tragically passed away this week. It's been a, uh, a, not a good week um, in a lot of ways. And so but let's let's put that behind us and get back to the ridiculousness of this podcast. Um, condolences. To the Bell family. So, John Majewski, sorry for hijacking your question, but should David Bell have taken out Castillo at the top of the fourth when he walked the opposing pitcher? 
seems to me that Castillo had just lost at that point. I'm not sure the lot of the logic of leaving him in the game. I mean, I think that's a reasonable um, that's a reasonable point. Uh, it's you know it's easier to look back in hindsight, maybe. Although you know, John says that at the time he thought he felt he lost at that point. I think that's a reasonable <laughs> way to look at it as well. I don't know. I guess I just kind of I don't think David Bell and, and and pitching coach Derek Johnson have ever been. Uh, slow to pull out pull out starters necessarily, uh, and so I guess I'm going to trust their judgment on that. But uh, I don't think that's a fair point. You know, I, I think at that point, you know, anytime a game gets to where it was by then, even you kind of aren't really trying to win anymore. If you're, you know, because it's just a long haul and all that. What you're, what you're, what you're thinking is, how many innings can I get out of my starter at this point before I have to take him out? And before I have to, you know, burden the bullpen that I'm going to need in a couple days. Yeah, exactly. So I I think that at that point he was trying to squeeze an additional inning out, which I understand. Yeah, there's a case for taking him out. And and maybe that would have happened if, 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 you know, he'd known how the game would go offensively after that. But, you know, at that point you kind of have to assume that that game is, is lost and you have to manage a little bit for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a, a fair point. Good question, John. Nathan Connor has our next one. Nathan says, I use at least two dozen applications at work, all of which require unique passwords. Two dozen. I have to change them very frequently. Whenever I include an athlete's name in my password, that person's career goes sideways. Which current cardinal should I incorporate into my next password? That's a good question. Which uh, which cardinal do you want their career to go sideways? Who's starting tomorrow? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Let's look that up. I was going to say Flaherty, but yeah, he's Wainwright, isn't it? Uh, Flaherty started the, the last game, so that's who I was going to say. But now that you mention it, let's do that before the Reds play their second game of the season. It is going to be yeah, Adam Wainwright. Yeah. All right. There we go. And and the benefit of of wishing uh, Adam Wainwright's career to go sideways is that he's already had a good career. Okay, you know he can fade off into the sunset. <laughs> good question, Nathan. Joey Gaditza, our friend from up north, asks. Hey guys, India looks real smooth. I presume he's talking about Jonathan India, and not one. Yes. Okay. All right. I thought that might have been a ge- this might be a geographic question. Okay. India looks real smooth. Turns out he has more than just good hair. Does he become a mainstay? I think the answer is yes. I mean, it's going to depend on his performance, but if I had to bet, I think I'd probably say yes. What about you, Jason? I I I agree. You know, I I think what maybe is. You know what's going to be interesting to watch this year, and hopefully the Reds are good and it, and it you know works itself out. But if India is is real good and Suarez hits, but you clearly still want to move him back to third, right? Yeah, hmm. it gets crowded there. <laughs> it does. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think he's. I think it's going to be dependent on his performance. If I had to, if I had to lay odds, I'd say India probably going to become a mainstay. He doesn't have to be that great to stick around. He has to be competent this year. So, next question, Chuck Nichols. Happy opening day. One observation for this week's podcast. And Chuck, uh, you're a, a longtime contributor and you're a friend. And I'm going to quibble with the way you've worded something here. So don't take offense. Uh, um, because I don't think you're wrong. I just think your wording is wrong. Here's what he says. The Reds' front office has proven, without any doubt, they don't want to win. This offseason, they traded away their closing pitcher for a no-name reliever and then turned around and released him. That's the Noe Ramirez deal. The Reds essentially got absolutely nothing out of this action, out of this deal, and actions speak louder than words. 
I think almost every part of that is is true. I would agree with all of it. If you change the term the Reds front office with Reds ownership. Yep. It's not the front office's fault. And I mean, maybe you're maybe you're including uh the front office in or the ownership within that, you know, heading front yeah, office. That, I mean, you know, that's that's almost still though not fair to the people who have to actually run the team. Yes. I'm I'm telling you now, this is Bob Castellini saying yeah. you cannot spend. Nick Crawl and that baseball op that they got one of the, this is the best baseball operations department. I would say maybe it's better when Dick Williams was there because he's the one that kind of turned it around. But yeah. uh, um and, and we it's miss the best him. baseball ops department the Reds have ever had, no question. Ever. Ever. Well, you know, you gotta give Bob Hausman credit. Maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll it was a different time. But in, in this new era, it's absolutely the best. It's not their fault. Let me tell you something. They did, they got Noe Ramirez in that trade because Bob Castellini would not let them get a prospect. This has been the pattern that we've seen. This is my kind of speculation. But, uh, maybe educated speculation, but Bob Castellini Remember all these other trades. He won't let them trade for prospects. He has to have guys that are close to the big leagues. And he wanted a you know a big leaguer in return here. It's not Nick Crawl's fault. It's not the baseball ops department. Red's ownership has proven that winning is not more important to them than making money. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's absolutely true. And we're trying to be optimistic about this team because it is a fun team. There's some good players here. And I'm trying to kind of ignore the stuff that we talked about in the offseason about Castellini. I don't want to, I don't want to let that drag down. Our, you know, our excitement for the season, how much fun we have in actually watching the games on the field. So that's why I haven't talked about it that much. But it's not the front office, Jason. It's ownership, right? It is ownership 100%. All right. So let's move on to Hooper Powell. Hooper, Ma- Hooper Powell asks, what would be your Mount Rushmore of hated Cardinal players? Also, you can include a manager. Well, the manager is Tony La Russa. Right. Yes. Okay. So Mount Rushmore of hated Cardinal players. Uh, so we got three more now. We got uh, Larusa up there. Well, got, Molina. Got to be Yadier Molina, right? So we agree on that. Um, who else do we hate? Edmonds. Oh, Jim Edmonds, former Red Jim Edmonds. Okay. Jim what? Ed- that, that, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that didn't <What>? happen. <laughs> Incorrect. That didn't happen. So Jim, oh yeah, we'll put Jim Edmonds up there, and. Um, Ooh. I know who. Who? Little whiny Carpenter. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. Yes, that didn't even cross my mind. Chris Carpenter. Yes, the whiniest whiner that ever whined. There's your oh, Mount Rushmore. The firework smoke is bothering me. <laughs> Don't give up homers then. Exactly. Oh, that guy. Oh, I, I wish you hadn't mentioned his name, but I'm glad you did. Mark Hyden asks, who do you want to listen to in the Reds TV booth? Tom and Chris or John Barry and Chris? I want to listen to. Go ahead. Question. <laughs> I, I know your answer. Your answer, yeah. John Barry and Chris. My answer is John and Chris. I just Chris Welsh is great. Early returns on John Sadek are great. That's who I want. I want. I want Barry to just sit on my couch next to me and watch the game. Be my friend. Mark has a second question. How cool is it that we have 161 more games to watch this year? That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> Never thought I would be excited about that, but I really am. Petro's Wheels asks, what's your favorite opening day memory? I know what mine is. You know, I've been to a number, uh, but even uh, of the ones that I have, I've watched them all on television. My favorite one, though, is the time that I was there and, and uh, Joe Randa hit the home run and just, uh, you know. Oh, that's a good one. That was that's exciting. A good one. 
Yeah. You have a particular one? Once, and it was the year that Scott Feldman was the opening day starter. But that's still my favorite memory because I got to be there. Yeah, just being in the park. Uh, and, and, and neither of us were there this year, but uh, you know, in future years, uh, hopefully we can we can make it back. All right, Risto Neely. A couple more questions here, then we're going to get out. Jason, it's been a good opening day extravaganza. Good opening day, Chad and Mr. Linden, Risto says. With the ever-expanding group of patrons, or as they are better known as slackers. Yeah, we have a Slack channel. They're a bunch of slackers. It's obvious to the most casual of, of observers that you've run out of position to put them all on uh, a Redlegnation Radio ball team. Because, yeah, our number of slackers is uh, is way up. So he's suggesting that we start a softball league comprised of eight teams of 13 players and with the abundance of talented musicians amongst the group, start a Red Lake Nation radio band with the seven remaining slackers not on a team. Your thoughts on this idea, please. Risto, here's my thoughts. You have an incredible imagination. You've thought about this a lot, and I absolutely love you for it, buddy. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. It's fantastic. I love it. Jason, anything you want to say about that? I mean, you know, I'm I'm here for it if he's uh, if he's going to do all the organizing. Yeah, he's the he, Risto. You got to be the commissioner first of all. Uh, I'm going to be a manager of one of the teams, and I'm going to I'm going to ask the the team that I'm the manager of that Jason Lennon is is on a different team. Nathan, oh, so lose a lot, huh, Chad? Okay, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Last one, and I appreciate Nathan Connor for this one. For years throughout my childhood, I argued vehemently with every baseball fan I could find that Barry Larkin was a million times more valuable than any of his contemporaries. I would never stand down from an argument to defend Barry Larkin. Just wanted to drop in and say something nice about Barry Larkin. Thank you, Nathan, because the the reason I, di- I didn't really, wasn't excited about Larkin being a manager for the Reds was not because I thought he was going to be a bad manager. I didn't know, still don't know, but because I don't want him to be a bad manager and for that to tarnish the way Reds fans remember him. Because I'm just, he's hes the guy. And from my childhood all the way to adulthood, he's the guy. And so thank you for that. The final thoughts about Barry Larkin, Jason. Anyone who doesn't love Barry Larkin is not anyone I want to know. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Jason, that was, a, that was a pretty fun podcast. Um, I think was, we're, we're yeah. excited, right? That was good. We're excited. You know, it was a rough first day, but whatever. You know, games happen. Yeah. Baseball's back. We may be back uh, soon. Uh, you know, when the Reds are zero and seven, whining about it. But no, I'm expecting six and one. Yes. All right. So you know how to subscribe to the podcast. We're everywhere that you get podcasts. We're there. And uh, subscribe. Give us a rating and a review if you like. Uh, as a, as we say, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. Give us leave us a five star review. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Um, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. You can uh, support the support the podcast if you want. With a couple bucks, but you don't have to. We're going to be here every week doing the same dumb thing uh, in the podcast feed. Follow us at Red Lake Radio on Twitter. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. And uh, you probably do not want to follow me, but follow Jason. He's a good follow. So, Jason, final thoughts for this podcast? Go Reds. Go Reds indeed for Jason Linden and Barry Larkin. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.